Welcome to How Have You Not Seen That? I'm Charles. I'm Crossman. I'm Wilson. And uh, so in this podcast, well, we've all been in that situation at a party where everybody's talking about, you know, a very famous or popular movie. Yes. And you haven't seen it, right? And so you just kind of try to play along, right? Usually I would just admit that I hadn't seen it. And everyone would be like, why? How have you not seen that, right? Yeah. And like, I look like a weirdo. So this is a good opportunity to catch up on these gaps in our film lexicon. So this week, Crossman picked JFK by Oliver Stone. So, Crossman, why don't you tell us about this movie? Who shot JFK? Please tell us. It's a doozy. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It's got a massive cast. Yes. Uh, To to the point where very famous actors appear in the movie for like two, one scene, even like Walter Matthau's in. Yeah, right. I forgot. I forgot Walter Matthau's in this movie. Yeah, this is a scene where Kevin Bacon is a minor role. (laughs) Yeah. Jack Lemmon appears in two scenes. Yeah. 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 Loosely based on two books, which are about the JFK conspiracy. Uh, So it begins with the assassination of JFK, mostly seen on TV. It's witnessed by Kevin Cosner, who's a DA, I believe. The movie skips ahead of a few years, and some weird facts start to come up about the JFK assassination that trigger uh, Cosner's. He starts to reinvestigate it. And he starts to spend more and more of the DA's resources on on this investigation. And the investigation includes trips to Texas, where or, and he's based in New Orleans, which is like has a tangential relationship to all this. <laughs> where Lee Harvey, Harvey Oswald apparently spent some time in New Orleans, had some weird connections with a right-wing paramilitary Cuban group that was probably funded by the CIA and was looking to reinvade Cuba. There are some New Orleans people that are like still around that were like involved in that in that group. So he begins to reinvestigate this, uh, takes him to Texas where you know they actually go to the building where Oswald shot from. It would have been a very difficult shot, which makes them you know suspicious. suspicious. The FBI also found it difficult to use the rifle that Oswald used to pull off three shots in the amount of time that he, he uh-huh. shoots. A lot of Zapruder film shots and like investigations. The, the, the thrust of the movie is eventually it comes into light that it would have been very difficult for Oswald to be a lone shooter. It would have been much easier if there were multiple shooters, which leads the DA to sort of like try and find who those people were. Eventually pins one of the shooters as this guy played by Tommy Lee Jones, who lives in New Orleans and was probably involved in this like Cuban group to some extent. He decides to like try and prosecute this guy for the murder of, of JFK. And he's not successful in doing that. But there's there's a lot more in between those things. The movie's uh, three hours and eight minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of like intense editing and uh, really long explanations of things. Yeah. Yeah. I chose this movie because it when it came out it, it got a lot of it was like a big deal. And mm. was nominated and won a few Academy Awards. It was really, it was a big, it was a big film. Yeah, ninety-one, right? Yeah, and yeah. I heard it was kind of crazy, and it it definitely is. He like all, all Oliver Stone movies are. Yeah, Oliver Stone ended up like testifying before Congress. 
yes. like, trying to get documents unearthed or some shit. And um, yeah, which does seem like a positive outcome, if, right. if anything. It, uh, I, I'm not sure if this movie is a net positive, but that specific thing is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll I'll leave it there. Had you seen this film before? Yeah, I have a weird relationship with this movie. Okay, um, I saw this when I was too young. Um, I was like 13, I think. Okay. I was like 12 or 13 when I saw this movie, and it was when I was like, I'm gonna watch all the Academy Award winners. I'm gonna see. And so I saw like three-hour movie with a big-name director attached and Kevin Costner, and it's historical, and it's about, like, a major event in American history. I was like, yeah, I'm all over it. <laughs> so I fucking rented JFK when I was, like, in ninth grade or something. And I went and I watched it, and it scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, man, everyone's out there, and they're going to, or the government's going to, you know, kill anybody anytime they feel like killing somebody, and, like, that's terrifying. And, I, like, I was too terrified to, like, even, like, research it any more than that, so I just kind of ignored it for a while. Then, like, later on... I like stumbled upon some article or something that just says the very obvious thing that this movie's bullshit and like just makes up stuff whole cloth oh, yeah. constantly. Like this movie is utter nonsense. Like it fictionalizes nearly everything. Um, and yeah, like that, that's really, yeah. Like <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to what Oliver Stone has to say about JFK. Um, but that, that's my relationship. For a long time, this was like a scary movie. Like it was just something like that. That was my clearest memory of it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what mm. I was left feeling after watching the movie. That yeah. kind of initial sort of fear. Yeah. Um, but throughout the whole movie, I had to remind myself that you know this is probably like heavily dramatized, and you know I, I don't know how much of it is fictionalized. So I had to you know ground myself and remind myself of sure. that fact. It's very persuasive. And I haven't had time to read up too much on it yet, but I do. I do intend to spend more time to find out. How much of it, what of it was fictionalized uh, to try to figure out, you know, get a more realistic view of what happened. Yeah, like most of it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason that Clay Shaw was found not guilty. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. put it like that. He was not guilty. So I, I don't know a ton about the JFK assassination. Yeah. Other than like Oswald and then <clears throat> Oswald was then killed. Yeah. And I'm aware of it as a... Event. What like the conspiracy theory thing? Yes. Prior to 9/11. Yeah, it's the Ur conspiracy. Yeah, yeah like it's <laughs> the one uh, of like modern American culture for yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to go further back, the Ur conspiracy is like the Masons or whatever. Masons is the big American yeah. conspiracy, yeah. and and this has elements of the Masons in it. Oh yeah, they're yeah. pulling all the strings, and it's all about maintaining constant war and for sure, yeah. for sure. So I I don't feel invested in it enough to like read more about i'm actually i admire your uh, interest <laughs> um, <laughs> um what 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 i think what convinces me that it's I, i'm sure weird stuff is going on in sure. the jfk thing i'm not sure what to do about it one thing that makes me not uninterested in it is having watched this film <laughs> because the film and what i guess what happened in in reality this this trial makes a huge leap to like getting to its conclusion yeah because we have like you know the cia is involved probably the F fbi lbj F yeah <laughs> lbj for sure <laughs> so let's get this like random guy in, in new orleans yeah. <laughs> and, nailed him <laughs> and that's that's where it fell apart for me yeah where it seemed like if your evidence is so flimsy that you get to the point where you're just prosecuting this random guy, which at the end of the film, 
says that it was later proven that this guy was paid by the CIA at some point. Which, which is true, yeah. but not for anything having to do with assassinating the president. Like he, yeah. he, he was former military, he went to, the, he went to Latin America frequently like yeah. on trips. And they, they, he paid, he, he probably, got paid for information. He probably was a part of the like, <laughs> post-Bay of Pigs. Right. Like, that, uh, that's it. Failed invasion. Yeah. Um, but even that's like a leap to, and therefore he killed the president. Right. And I, I guess we're getting to it a, a little fast, but that's kind of what was, by the end, I was just like, what? Like, this, <laughs> this like web of evidence doesn't lead me to the Anything. same conclusion. Where it's like, for sure, there's a lot of weird stuff around what happened it's a weird event like it's only a few presidents have been assassinated yep. mm -hmm. that alone is weird so yes like the imagination does run run wild and they're yeah for sure like it is weird that they didn't like keep some of the records from the thing but again it's like a weird event like how do you process like there isn't a precedent the right? death like, of like a, a very popular president he, he, right exactly. yeah so yeah that that left me feeling very baffled by the end, where I was just like, I don't wait a minute. <laughs> how how did we get here? And then how how then did we, you know, when in reality the court case failed? How do we then make up all this evidence to like get us to the right place, but still not end up in the right place? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's how I, I like agree. Yeah, <laughs> like this this <laughs> was only my second viewing of the movie, so like I was watching it with clearer eyes than I did when I was in ninth grade. Yeah, but um. Yeah, that was my sense of it as well. It felt like the cocaine ramblings of like a madman, which is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> that is Oliver Stone. <laughs> yeah, because um, my understanding is that the there's a lot of stuff you made up here, but the two big things are the David Ferry character. So that's Joe Pesci yes. in the movie. He has this big dramatic scene, like the night before he dies or whatever. In the where, hotel room. In the hotel room, where he like yeah. confesses everything. It's like, of course the Sierra is involved. And they knew all about this. And they were contacting this guy and this guy. And it goes all the way to the top. And he has like... And he's a, under like incredible duress. Too. Right. Like, Gives yeah. this whole spiel. That never happened. Oh. That never <laughs> happened. That guy, David Ferry was a real guy. He maintained throughout his life that Jim Garrison doesn't know what he's talking about. There was no conspiracy. He was never contacted by the FBI or the CIA or the, Ameri or the American government at all. He was always steadfast in this belief. He died from a brain aneurysm, not from any kind of overdose of anything, not from murder. And that's that. Right? Like, yeah. that's what happened there. Yeah, a lot of people that die in the... So, like, yeah, a lot of people died. But... Yeah time like the inevitability of death like does catch up to people and <laughs> yes exactly. uh, you know some of these people are not in great health like the investigator that's uh, presented at the beginning of the film right is very old and yep. he dies uh, supposedly like, under like mysterious circumstances right. he's also yeah. like a drunk right? yeah <laughs> like, imagine that yeah the other apparently major piece of fabricated evidence is the uh the kevin bacon character so this is in the, in the movie he, he is a prisoner gay prostitute neo-nazi that <laughs> provides like all the connection between oswald and this clay figure yes and like provides the not the testimony but the, well yes the testimony but also the evidence mm -hmm. to show that they they knew one another and that they were connected and, it, guy, and it's like a jailhouse confession right so jailhouse like, he's got nothing to lose it, so. right exactly yeah. and he like makes a pass at kevin costner at one point uh that guy's not real fictional character oh that guy just doesn't exist the reason that Oliver Stone made him up is because the actual guy that was the key witness for Jim Garrison was a security guard or a, a police officer 
who provided the evidence of conspiracy while under the effects of uh, sodium pent pentothal, the truth serum, and hypnosis. And that was it. <laughs> that was their evidence that they were resting the entire case on. There's a truth serum? It, it, it'll, it puts you in like a suggestive state, okay. right? Like it, it's a drug, basically. It's just a drug. Okay. <laughs> so he was drugged up and hypnotized. And it's, he, it's like a strong alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. With potentially very harmful effects. He, right, exactly. Yeah. And so that was it. Like that was Jim Garrison's case in reality, is that it was leaning pretty much all on like the various coincidences that were going on and okay. like the testimony of this guy who was you know, essentially drugged and hypnotized at the time that he came. That seems to make it like even more problematic because, like, of course, the, 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 like the conclusion. Obviously, it's problematic, but like the conclusion that I came to was like this DA was just like picking on like random gay guys that lived in New Orleans. Yeah, and because this guy like did have connections to the CIA and and like uh -huh. paramilitary forces, and was gay, it made him like very vulnerable to. Uh, you know, bribery and coercion yep. by a police force that, you know, is, I guess, just spending a lot of money on the JFK uh, investigation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fucking 10 years after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a deeply homophobic movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, with the addition barely. of the Kevin Bacon character, for right, sure. Right. Because that, that yeah. guy's just made up. And, like, it's that, like, he, like, Oliver Stone is reveling in these scenes of, like, here's these four gay guys doing weird gay shit in this giant mansion in New Orleans. And look at them painting their bodies funny colors and like, you know, everybody's a prostitute and they're all fucking everybody all at the same time. It's yeah. like, come on, man. Like, and of course, those are all the guys that are behind the JFK assassination. Of course it is, right? <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> like, so like, there's a lot of problems with this movie. So, and like, those I think are the two biggest. And um, there's also a very clear explanation for the magic bullet thing. The uh, car that JFK was in, the, the back seat is three inches higher than the front seat. And if you factor in that, like there's a straight line from the book depository from um, JFK to Conley. Yeah. That's that. Like, yeah, that just uh, explains it. <laughs> I think well. Mythbusters actually had an episode <laughs> about this. And they were they were able to like loosely create the shot. Yeah. Like yeah. it's that, that how did it do that? It traveled in a straight line and hit them. Like that's how it did it. Like, yeah, also the bolts are designed to like ricochet inside the body too. Yeah. And like that. So it would make sense that like it would have such a strange path uh -huh. through the through the body, right? But apparently, it, it, if you factor in that three inch height difference, like it, it makes up for all of the turns and everything. Like it's just there's a path. There it is. How do um, they not see that from like the footage or just knowing how the car looked? Well, the in the footage because it's so grainy, you can't see the actual like the hit that like passes through JFK into the guy that's in front right. of him. Right, and, and like um, the moment that shot happens, like. It, the car like passes in front of a tree between Zapruder and there's a tree between Zapruder and the car. So like there really isn't a clear visual of it from that angle, like the critical angle. Mm -hmm. um, so like there are problems. Like they didn't discover this three inch difference thing until like many years later. Okay. Like somebody actually examined the actual car they were in. It's like, oh wait, here's, here's the explanation for that. And this is a little more subtle. It is, right, but there is an explanation for it. Okay. And this explanation was known at the time the movie was made. And, and the, the movie does yeah. dismiss the sort of like obvious solutions for this, which is sound echoes off of buildings. Yeah. And it does make it seem like, you know, it's coming from multiple mm -hmm. places. So. Right. And of course, you're going to get a bunch of different testimony from 50 different witnesses that, you know, just saw the most traumatic thing they've ever seen in their lives, right? Like, eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That that is what goes on there. Um, the the Donald Sutherland character, that X guy, not real. Not a real guy. That I kind of figured. Yeah. It seemed all convenient. Also, <laughs> that was made up. A one one scene A list actor, another yeah, one of, was, one yeah, of yeah, many yeah. Here in, we are. in the film. How, how did he get all these people to make this ridiculous movie? I, I, I mean, don't know. He, at the early 90s, is a very hot director. I mean, yeah, that's the obvious and, answer. And but. he's doing like cool movies. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's why, really. Well, like, and it, this did go on to win a bunch of awards and make a ton of money. So. Yeah. Okay, and sure. It's it is like shot different and cool. Like the the fact that it, like it's it's shot in like so many mediums. It's like normal film and uh, Super Eight, and they're like actually cutting in real parts of the of the Zapruder film. Right. And here's a newscast, and here's a, a newspaper, and here's whatever. It's yeah. edited like really fast too. There's so many cuts in well, this in this film, and especially uh, early. There's, there's probably like. 10,000 edits in this film. <laughs> yeah. It, well, especially over the three-hour runtime. And, yeah. like, especially early on, it's edited and sh- and shot together like a documentary. Yeah. Like, it's made a, to look a lot like, you know, Thin Blue Line With or something. With a voiceover by Martin Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah another <laughs> Who's not in the movie otherwise. <laughs> yeah. His voice. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even notice it. That was yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I heard him. He has a you know, distinctive... Yeah. Favorite. He just presents it like... Yeah, like this is what what happened, right? And he's so authoritative. Uh, it, so it, to me, that was, feels just, was that was that narration misleading at all, or was that like a good recount of what was going on at that time? Do you think? To me, presenting this movie in a documentary style, like the, the facts can be true, right? And like they basically were, like as far as I know, like the recitation of what he said there, and as far as I remember. Yeah, like the military-industrial complex, like not liking what was happening, and like Vietnam is not going well, and JFK is like really considering pulling the troops out. Right, but like that's those facts can all be true, but like the way they're presented, like as documentary in a documentary style at the beginning of this movie that's largely fictionalized, Mm -hmm. to me is like profoundly dishonest and misleading. Yeah, like to to, like that I think is a. Major misstep. Uh, sure. That um, misstep is wrong. It was intentional. Like a major disservice. Yeah, I, I think the one that really got me was pretty late in the film, like in the last like half hour or so. Yeah. Um, RFK gets assassinated, and his wife, who had like been yes. on the verge oh, of like leaving him, <laughs> is convinced of the conspiracy by right there because he like he wakes her up in the middle of the night. Their marriage has been on the, the rocks. Uh, he's basically just like abandoned his family to like do this investigation, yeah. and yeah, he like comes in all sweating. And it's like yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they killed him. They killed him. Um, they proceed to start making out. Yep. Uh, it's like and, a weird moment to do that. Yeah, yeah. and really gets I, I guess it was yeah. like to me, it was like, wait, are they saying that like because RFK got assassinated, therefore the conspiracy is true. And like, yes. More was, extensive? So yeah. like, were these guys also orchestrating the death of Robert Kennedy as well? Like, what? Well, I mean, the film never goes there, but the implication yeah. is there, where it it's sure like, is. so yeah, RFK died, so. You know, oh, come on. Like, you know, there's a lot of like. <laughs> is that a coincidence? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think that's what was happening at the beginning of the movie, too. It's like, all right, we're not going to explicitly say it was because he wanted to pull out of Vietnam, but look at all this stuff that happened. I, <laughs> like, okay. I think up into the point where we meet the <coughs> Donald Sutherland character, mm-hmm. I, I think the film is actually like fine. 
But yeah, like, what, cinematically, yeah. But and and story wise, I, I think it's fine. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, there's some weird stuff. It doesn't like launch into space until we get to Donald Sutherland, yeah. and then Donald <laughs> Sutherland is the one that's like. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it goes all the way to the South Pole. <laughs> yeah. And he's like... New Zealand is in on it. <laughs> yeah. He's like some like black ops dude. I think yeah. he's just like the black ops guy. Because he says like, I'm involved in black ops. Yes. <laughs> and Black operations. Black ops. Yeah. <laughs> um, his name is also Mr. X, according to yeah. uh, just X. He says, "I could tell you, my, I could make up a name, but just call me X." But but this is the like deep throat character <laughs> yes. of this movie, where uh-huh. he's like, you know, just follow the uh-huh. follow the evidence, and but he just comes out and says, like, for sure, it was Robert McNamara and the CIA and FBI and, and LBJ and LBJ. Yeah, and. Yeah, Costner's just like okay, and they, and they meet on like a park bench in Washington, and there's the Washington like, Monument in the background, and yeah, the they, the Lincoln Monument before that, yeah, yeah. And I would have been like more convinced if he was like drawing like pentagrams on like a map of <laughs> of, of DC, yeah. But at that point, like that's when the movie like really lost me because I was like, oh, but you just like brought in this like wild eyed guy to like try and, and make it, and I guess. That's supposed to be the that is supposed to be like the convincing moment of the movie where it's like finally revealed to how it all comes together. Yeah, all the all the like moving pieces. And to me, I was just like, but that's like the opposite of my takeaway from this is like to blow it out like that is to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I could totally see like this like right wing Cuban like fascist like sort of paramilitary group like yeah. becoming disgruntled and like because they have CIA backing they have the money and resources to like go shoot the president yeah I mean, for sure that's like totally believable <clears throat> right when it's like oh and the senate and the vice president and the FBI and the CIA are also involved with this like like kind of like dumb <laughs> like group yeah, no, no way. Like right-wing homosexuals. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, and, what, was, what was all that stuff about, yeah. like the the news being transmitted too quickly or something? Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. That real yeah, I forgot about that. Because that seemed like if that were real, that'd be pretty convincing evidence. But like, it'd be hard to record. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't look up that particular. I didn't check that particular fact uh, when I was researching this. There like, is a documentary that Oliver Stone shot about this movie that presents like all the evidence like in this movie so you could watch that you could watch, you could watch that but you have to trust him again right and to... appa- there's a fairly apparently a book that was published fairly recently like rebutting just like beat for beat every conspiracy theory about JFK I haven't read it I don't want to read it because I don't need I'm already convinced frankly that Louis mm-hmm. Oswald was the the lone shooter, uh, but if you, you want to, like this book apparently exists. That's just like here's why all of this is wrong, and it's really mm-hmm. just the single shooter, um, which is again the simplest explanation for what's going on here. It's Occam's Razor. Um, so yeah, I cannot answer every single thing, but like there are some major, major factors. And, and the movie even like disproves itself. Like it presents yeah. just kind of like random characters who also <laughs> want to kill the president and yeah. are fine with the president being killed. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah, it could have just been one of those guys, too. Yeah, like, who the hell knows? Yeah, especially when, like, the safety of the president is not as tight as it is, like, in 2019. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or they would have been after this major event that led to the death of the president. Right, right? and okay. changed how we deal with presidential security from that point on. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this, 
if there's a takeaway that anybody should take from this episode, it's that. Lee Harvey Oswald definitely killed JFK, and he didn't work with anybody else. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I think also, as someone who like vividly remembers 9-11, and then a few years later when like the Loose Change documentary came yeah. out, um, it's, it's interesting to compare the two, because like Loose Change was kind of like an early internet phenomenon, or like early video phenomenon uh-huh. on the internet. Um, where it was just like, hey, have you seen this like weird documentary? It like opens up some like weird questions about 9-11. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I remember watching like 20 minutes of it and just being like, no, it doesn't. this is just like security cam footage from like the news. Like, why, yeah. like how does this like prove this like massive conspiracy? Like uh, when it doesn't require one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, exactly. like we know who like we know who did 9-11 and there are some weird things about it like it is kind of weird how the Saudi family was like protected post 9-11 and like in the very days after 9-11 that's weird yeah, yeah. but doesn't it, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't prove anything so it's it seems more like, like these situations are yeah. more like these bad parties benefiting or taking advantage of a situation rather than orchestrating a situation to benefit from it Right. I mean, you can you can go back even further than this. Like the big example of that is the Reichstag fire, mm-hmm. which is what happened. They reference it in this movie, but yeah. like there there were conspiracy theories about that, about how how Hitler orchestrated the Reichstag fire so that he would have an excuse to to shut down the legislative body in in Weimar Germany, and that's not what happened, right? Like it was just like some disgruntled guy from Denmark that like basically decided to go rogue and start a fire in this place. It gets way out of control. And he saw Hitler saw an opportunity and took that opportunity. That's how this stuff works. Like, that's how mm-hmm. it really happens. And <laughs> it's not, you know, a grand plan. And I think that that... It, that's, like, what this the takeaway from this well, movie ought to be. I mean, I think the real... <laughs> the, like, the real thing that, that happens here with JFK is... It's at the height of the Vietnam War, uh-huh. which is you know, the worst, stupidest war that the U.S. has been up until in, then. involved with. Yeah, up, up, up until then. And yeah. so distrust of the government is very high because right. it was orchestrated by the CIA. And the FBI was, you know, wantonly killing Americans uh, who were, you know, trying to, you know, fight for their civil rights. Yeah, I mean, we just had the anniversary of the move bombing in Philadelphia, right? right? Like the yeah, and there were like right wing anti Cuban factions like operating in the U.S. and still are, and, and still are, and so like distrust of government is very high mm-hmm. at this moment. So when the president is killed, you know, it's like another and a very popular president who is like doing good things for the country. Um, it would make sense to point at the larger government structure as being, you know, the, the cause for for this event. Right. Whether then, or not they actually like pulled the trigger is immaterial. <laughs> it, it, yeah, totally immaterial. <laughs> right. Well, and so, yeah. And it strikes at like the deeper psychology at play with conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's not just about like believing that there's some grand plan that's pulling all the strings in the world. It's wanting their, it's identifying that there's something wrong in the world and seeking an explanation for that. Yeah. And only one of those things is incorrect. 
right? Like only one of the steps there is wrong. Like so, they are correct to identify that there's something wrong in the world. The wrong step is saying that the thing that's wrong in the world is that you know there's a massive organization controlling banks or that Earth is actually flat or whatever. Like that's the bad step. But the first step is correct, mm-hmm. right? They are correctly identifying that there is something wrong. Something wrong. It's like capitalism and colonialism, but loose change. Totally, yeah. totally that. Where it's like, <laughs> yes, it's like, yeah, like yes, the government is bad, and then like took this next like hor- horrific step uh-huh. in the wrong direction. The explanation of this is not to to be gleaned from security cameras in the parking lot of the Pentagon, right? Yeah, so the, it, the, the explanation's obvious here. Right. And so I understand not wanting to confront that the world has random evil in it. And I understand not wanting to confront that our government is largely both mal- like malignant and stupid. Right? Like, like it's better to think of our enemies and our leaders if they're doing something bad as doing something intentional. Because then you can you can identify that intent and stop it. It's way harder to deal with something that's just like random and absurd, which is what's actually going on. It's just random and absurd. So I, in a sense, I empathize with the conspiracy theorists. I I, I could understand the person in 1965 or whenever saying, "Oh shit, why would anybody go to Vietnam? Like this doesn't make any sense. Like this is this is a hor- horrifying, absurd thing that's going on." Let's find some other explanation for it. Oh yeah, here's why. It's because they shot JFK in order to facilitate X, Y, Z, right? Like I understand why someone would find that emotionally satisfying, and would find that to be a, a relief. And I, they're still incorrect, and it's still ultimately a harmful thing. But what we should be doing is trying to orient them towards what the actual causes for these things are, and that. Which that's is productive. Also simple. <laughs> yeah. Too. It's just like, yeah, American colonialism. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also here, random here, acts of violence are really bad. And here, here, like, here it is. Right. Yeah. And like the the evidence is is huge, right? It's yeah. everywhere. Right. So like and that's what's I, I think kind of disappointing about this movie. Because there was there's a movie about Jim Garrison. That is like I don't know, maybe told from the wife's perspective or something about that, about or from Shaw's perspective, or from Shaw, yeah, or from Shaw's perspective. Probably not truly a sympathetic character, but right. is the victim of the real conspiracy, which is by the garrison. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that there is like a more interesting movie about like this normal guy who had a, a, a good job as the DA of New Orleans. And he gets hooked on this conspiracy theory and goes totally off the rails and it destroys his life. And everybody around him like gradually pulls away. Because he had like attorneys dropping left and right from his office. They just like would quit all the time like that. Yeah, they show um That happens once in the movie. Durrell from The Walking Dead walking out sure. of the office. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um so like, like dude from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. where I'd seen him before. Um so you like you have that. And I think that if you you portray the Jim Garrison character as something tragic. Like if, it, if this movie is more like Zodiac, like I think that it is more successful as a film and I think more honest as a film. Yeah. And I would, I would want to watch that because the movie that I'm seeing right here is, even if it's well made on a cin- cinematic level and it is, and like the performances are good enough, like it's- Not, not Cosner, but everybody else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like that stuff works, <laughs> but it's just such a, it, it, 
the movie's a lie. Like it's just so misleading that I, it's hard to recommend it as anything other than like a, a study piece. Uh, I mean, I think it's a really <laughs> a look at like American paranoia. That's yeah. really what it is. And from but it, it, I, it's not just a look at American paranoia. It is American paranoia. Yes. Yeah. And it's produced by like the American paranoia guy, like the yeah. guy that executive produced it, produced all the President's Men, mm-hmm. Parallax View, and uh, the, the what the Days of the Condor film, and this. Yeah. And and these these are all like films that are like very <laughs> suspicious of the American government. Mm-hmm. Um, see an overarching conspiracy that is like just out of view everywhere. Yep. And come in in three out of four of those movies come to like pretty wild solutions. Uh, right, right. So I guess but, All the President's Men is a depiction of when they actually try to do a conspiracy and just immediately get busted. But what's good about the All the President's Men is that they just do like the, you know, the gumshoe reporting about the actual facts of the case that lead yeah. to the, the real conspiracy being revealed. Yeah, and that, it, because like Watergate and like the, the, the Nixon administration was just a criminal organization. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like that, that that time they were right. And like which again makes it all the more insidious because it enables all the other times when they're definitely wrong. But it, but it's also like a very sober <laughs> look at like, uh-huh. yeah, they did this, then this, and this, and they came to like this conclusion. And here it's like he's like adding to the conspiracy stylistically and through the story, as Wilson highlighted. Yeah. And the re- okay. the reason they have to do it here is because it is bullshit, right? It's because yeah. Garrison's case against Shaw was really bad. It was really bad. And I think that if you want this movie to function in the way that they do, which is really Jim Garrison is the hero, he's right about JFK, and that's that, you you have to make up a bunch of shit. Like with, with all the president's men, like the actual facts of Watergate speak for themselves. Right? Like you don't need to insert new things. Like there really was a deep throat character. Yeah. <laughs> we know who he was at this point. Right? Like there really was a conspiracy to to bug the office. There really was a bunch of money floating around to, to torpedo the DNC, right? Like all these things are real. Like that that's not the case here. And it's it's a shame. Yeah, I think one I think one point of compar- comparison to like a good conspiracy movie is a documentary that series that came out last year called Wormwood. Um, oh, which I haven't seen. Which is a Errol Morris like documentary yeah. series about <coughs> this scientist who died in a very like strange circumstance and he had been working for the government or for the CIA in some like weird lab that they had and he disappeared for a week and then at the end of the week he uh, uh, supposedly jumped out of the window of a hotel in New York City and died and his son was who was very young at the time became obsessed with this as mm-hmm. one might with their father were to die in such strange circumstances and began reinvestigating like what happened and found like and kind of like unspools this like very weird story um and the crux of the film is that like if you take the facts to the logical conclusion this man was probably thrown out the hotel window right and but it's grounded by very sober facts being presented and is is like some elements are recreated but based on like real things that happened mm-hmm. yeah uh, and I, I found that to be a very compelling and scary conspiracy film yeah well, uh, as a, as opposed to this film 
where when they're describing the events, it's like, here's a cutaway to a crazy party, and here's a cutaway to a bunch of humans loading up rifles, and here's another cutaway to a, a weird-looking camera or something. And like, it's just, like you said, 10,000 edits, right? It's just like, cut all Yeah, the there's place. so much information that there's never like, there, I, I wish I could have Oliver Stone say like, what, what is your theory? Yeah. Like, can you can you say like, <coughs> I, I I know there's like fourteen thousand facts here, but can we ever get to the point where he said like this happened, then this happened, and then JFK was assassinated? Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't. I thought he presented a lot of information about that. He did present information, but like, what's the even in that closing statement where Kevin Costner is like telling the narrative, right? Like, here is yeah. that that's what a, that's what a summation is for. Like, here's my theory of the case, right? He never really gets to, and then Clay Shaw did this, and because Clay Shaw did this, he was. JFK he gets to JF, He gets to Shaw might have been one of the shooters. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Like, even I definitely then. got a little lost with Shaw's connections. It <laughs> yeah, seemed like exactly. Shaw, the whole exactly. Shaw connection was related to the the anti-Cuba group. Yes. Right. Which Oswald was tied to, and Ferry was tied to. Right. And maybe even Jack Ruby. I don't remember if he was involved they, in that. They, yeah, exactly. How yes. does Jack Ruby fit in? Hard to say. Like, they have that scene where he's being interrogated by Warren, and then they, we don't see him again. <laughs> but but I, I think what you're referring to, Charles, is like the thesis of this film. The, yeah. There's a Cuban paramilitary group. Yeah. Oswald had some sort of connection to this group. Yeah. Shaw is in the group. Therefore, Shaw is one of the shooters. And yeah, I believe that to be the thesis of this film. I, I don't so even know if like, he was trying to say that Shaw was one of the shooters. I think he was I trying to connect the CIA sure. yeah. Who knows, connection right? <laughs> with this anti-Cuba group, uh, and thus like connecting this whole thing to the JFK shooting. I think yeah, and, and therefore, like Shaw is like the stand-in for all the potential shooters like, yeah. on the scene, right? <laughs> it, it, what that sequence reminds me of is that scene in The Simpsons where they're talking about the reverse vampires. And Milhouse is up in the treehouse, and he's like, all right, so the reverse vampires are working with the Rand Corporation on behalf of, you know, the Illuminati, and, like, they have this whole thing together, <laughs> and, like, Lisa ends up giving, like, some snide response because it's all ridiculous, and then everybody freaks out because they believe her, and it's like, that's what Kevin Costner sounds like. He sounds like fucking Milhouse. Like, he's just, like, this grand conspiracy, and this guy knew this guy at this one party, and therefore it's all connected. And... You know, and then he ends up with like an Aaron Sorkin speech about how we all owe it to the country to vote or something. And, you know, that wasn't the most persuasive yeah, part. Yeah, democracy was like <laughs> at, at risk if we don't. If you don't convict Clay this, Shaw this like random guy. of something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Surprised and, the judge would have let him say that whole thing. Well, A, the judge probably didn't because this was so fictionalized. <laughs> and you're allowed to say quite a bit, not every, anything, but like more than you normally would in a summer. Okay. At least as far as I know. I don't know about Louisiana. Um, but yeah, like the underlying ideology of this movie is weirdly like law and order, right? Because like you have a DA that's going to come along and like apply investigation and you know the courts to this conspiracy and like solve everything and that's the hero of the story yeah and it that feels like distinctly liberal to me right and and mm -hmm. like as much as this movie is is fighting the system like the hero is still a district attorney yeah. of a major city and it's like is that the guy like is that who we're leaning on to to do this 
Oh, the major city part's pretty, <laughs> pretty hilarious, too. That New Orleans? Well, yeah, because he's like, they go on a walking tour. That's yeah. that's a very funny scene, <laughs> if you think about it. Because they're like, they're walking around, they're like, that building over there? And they're like, yeah, FBI. Yeah. And they, <laughs> yeah. they walk down this street, and they're like, that building? Like, it's a post office. And they're like, not anymore. Yeah, it was actually where the CIA operated yeah. out of in 63. Yeah, so, okay. And then... They like turn around. They're like in that building. That's where the Cubans were. Yeah, it's just like you're in a like a major city. Like the government has edifices like in every major city. Right. <laughs> like, like you could walk around New York and probably do the same. The same FBI shit. office in New York is like across the street from a bunch of local courthouses. Yeah, it's, like, it's exactly. right there. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, that makes sense. Of course, yeah. it makes sense, right? Yeah. And that whole building is just full of federal agencies because. They're all in one building. Like, of course they are. Isn't okay. that a part of, like, the Building 7 conspiracy, too, in, in like, the event that it was also, like, a government thing? I, I There's never some seen. documents in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I never watched Loose Chain, so. I it's it's a know. doozy. It's, I'm not going to watch yeah. it. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I think it's, like, a piece of Americana. It's probably, like, important. <laughs> that might be true. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that is true. Um, yeah, but as cinema, it's not so good. Uh, so, uh, Craftsman, you mentioned that you didn't like Kevin Costner here. I, he's so wooden. He, <laughs> I, I have no idea how he ever became a leading man because uh, the two movies that we've watched together, he's not been good. Um, he's he's meant to be kind of like an Oshucks, like Jimmy Stewart kind of guy here, yeah. where he's just like, you know, he's just a cop doing the right thing, and you know, he just like stumbles on the biggest conspiracy of all time. Yeah, and he's presented so infallibly that it's like. I don't know why I would ever connect with this character. He, he's a terrible family man, and he's like pinning an awful crime on someone who's obviously innocent. Um, but he's presented as this like sort hero, of, yeah, as as a heroic person. Yeah, that's I think what's bad about Cosner's performance is that I just like don't believe him to be as like a feeling human. Like his interactions with his family are. Are, are pretty good exam- just, like, exemplary obstacles. of this. Where he's just like, yeah, he's just like physically like stepping over his children <laughs> in, in the home and like has no like, way yeah. of like, which is probably like true of like a 1960s dad where it was just like the family is like totally bothersome to his career and, and being as a, as a, as a like should be single man. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Cosner's just so wooden. He's like, there's nothing there to like grab onto as yeah, a person. Jim, Jim Morrison yeah. is barely can, presented as a as a person here, right? Like the, the way he's written is is just like this bland heroic trope. He's felt like a conveyor of information, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just it. You're exactly but right. I, I didn't actually have much of a problem with Kevin Costner's performance, I, just because I, I I don't either. I just he, like don't find it very compelling. Like, he, he, go for it though. So. Yeah, because you describe him as what plain or like wooden, wooden. but I I saw it as more of like stoic, I guess. Sure. So it kind of yeah. fit with my image of like how this character was. He's kind of like you know gritty, like do whatever it takes to get to the end of this uh, crime sort of character, right? Sure. So it worked for me. Yeah. I, again, he was serviceable. Like I don't think anyone's gonna. Like sit down and watch this and say like, oh, he's not delivering his lines or whatever. Like, sure, yeah, that's just it. He's just surface. This is kind of what you get when when you cast Kevin Costner, I guess. But, well, like it, you see, like in the scenes that he's in with Jack Lemmon, and Jack Lemmon is like 
you know, someone that's like trying to avoid the cops is like down on his luck. And, you know, he's in the movie for like two seconds, but he's so good, like in the like. An all time great actor. Yeah, where yeah. they eventually like kind of break him and he's just like, oh, like he's, he's like looking around and it's like trying like, to run off. And, yeah, it's such a great, like tiny performance by, uh-huh. by Lemon. Um, in contrasted with the next to him, uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, script. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his his or, excuse me his accent is all over the place. Yeah, like he just drops it sometimes. Other and times it's like a lot, of, lot of bad accents. This movie, like, Pesci too, Pesci. very guilty of this. Yeah, yeah, Pesci. Is he just speaking his normal like Pesci voice. Well, eventually, but like at the beginning of the movie, he's doing this like southern, southern gentleman voice. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as he gets to the part where he's yelling on the phone, he just sounds like he's in Goodfellas again. And, and, yeah. and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, who has yeah. a southern accent, <laughs> also sounds bad in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know what the hell is going on. He had on a there. weird perm job. Yeah. yeah. Well, and speaking of the treatment of the family in this movie, like, the, you want to talk about thankless roles? Cece Spacek. Cece Spacek. Yeah. Oh, was, my like, God. Trying to act out her way out of the scene with uh, Cosner is like. Well, and th- it's written like. By a AI or something. It's like this fucking such a generic like great man is attempting great things and he has to overcome his wife not understanding what's going on. Yeah, well, that was wrong. one of my challenges with evaluating this movie, right? Because I'm too busy paying attention to the like information, right? It's like family drama, the JFK case, right? <laughs> yeah, and so it, I had a hard time evaluating it as a movie instead of as like a conveyor of information, right? And so all these extra scenes just felt like they were interrupting what I was trying to watch. It, you're exactly right. It would have been better if they had no family scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so incongruous with what else was going on. Exactly. Here. And <laughs> I think they do a good job of that in, in All the President's Men. Because, like, they, like, imply that, like, Bernsey's, like, kind of a ladies' man. Right. But, but just, like, the, <laughs> yeah. the implication is there. And that's, like, enough for to, like, get his character. Well, and I think both yeah. those guys were actually single at the time of the events of the movie. So oh, yeah. that helps, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you compare, I think the, the better point of comparison here might be First Man. Right? Like, because there, the, the, the point of the movie is, yeah, to communicate, like, how, how tough it is to get to the moon. But it's really, like, about Neil Armstrong, the man. Mm-hmm. And... There, the family scenes make sense, right? And they kind of, like, play into what the movie is about and, like, coping with the grief of his daughter and things like that. So, like, it becomes part of a cohesive whole. And they're, they're actually part of what the movie is about. Here, exactly. they're just there because they felt like you had to have the scenes there. Right, the because what this movie about is really just, like, Oliver Stone spouting off about his conspiracy theories. <laughs> that's why this movie exists. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad reason to make a movie. Like, that's just it. Like, the reason this movie exists is bad. And that's why it's not a good movie. Yeah. That's it. Stone, Stone's an interesting guy. He's so, like, uh, like probably more harm than good kind of person. Who's, I mean, his heart is in the right place. Like, it really is, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, like, he, he gets so self-righteous and so obsessed with his own correctness. Yeah. Yeah, and it, which, again, to me is a very... You know, liberal instinct, and I think that that's. Well, he's confident. That's he's, he's that, that is a true statement. Yeah. That is that is a statement of fact. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I kind of agree. I just, but I'm not going to be running to the theater to see whatever the next Oliver Stone movie is. For sure, no. For sure, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, on a cinematic level, do we enjoy watching this? Like, was there something about it that was like? as a procedural or something like that that worked it's it's very like 
Well, you should comment on <laughs> I guess it's I kind of ironic yeah. um, because I usually have a hard time with these like long and like very dialogue and information heavy movies. Yeah. For some reason, this one just kind of pulled me in and I was like very drawn into the story. Now, part of the problem is that I was taking a lot of the information and events at face value for most of the movie. It's, and so I was just yeah. kind of pulled into the conspiracy uh, and like was along for the ride. Yeah. Um, That's not your fault. <laughs> Yeah, it's very yeah. effectively told. Uh, I feel like the pacing is fast enough that I don't feel like I'm like bored. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, you know, for a long movie with a lot of information, I wasn't left behind, and I was like very interested in what was going on on screen, except when there was family stuff. And I just kind of <laughs> like my eyes glazed over for yeah. that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the information was presented at a pretty brisk pace. It was pretty clear. Um, the weird cutaway shots do a good job of actually visualizing what they're trying to tell you. Um, and that's something that a lot of these movies didn't do in the past and it helped me sort of retain the different facts that they were being conveyed to you. Mm -hmm. um, so all these things I felt were very effective uh, at like keeping me like pulled in with the movie. Yeah, like it, Oliver Stone has a pretty, not a pretty good, a very good handle on the basics of cinematic language. Right, like he knows how to communicate what he wants to to the audience and like that's why this movie won a bunch of Oscars that's why so many people like really were persuaded by this film and like probably remain persuaded to date by this film like it's persuasive right like cinema is powerful and here we are he like he has a very cool way of shooting things yeah like, the movie like looks cool um, like the fact that he's bringing all these other medias into mm -hmm. it and that it's edited fast and that, you know, I mean, he goes on to like a few years later do Natural Born Killers. Also, yeah. very problematic movie. Really cool. Like really, really cool <laughs> movie. Um, like Woody Harrelson's, you know, total psychopath in that movie, but it's like an anti-hero movie mm -hmm. and it's shot in all these like weird colors and filters and like it's, mm. you know, it's the MTV era and yep. it's like very much engaging with like how things look at that time. And he's quick to see like, oh, like music videos are this form that's like interesting that I should react to. Mm -hmm. And he's reacting to like the culture of the time. So he's like, he's good. He's a good like artist. He's engaging with the medium well. He's a good yeah. technician. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not convinced he's a good artist. I think that he. I mean, you know, who cares about that? But like, you know, <laughs> well, like, no, that's important, right? Like, that's an important distinction. Some who said he'd art do not care about that conversation, okay, like at all. Fine. Like, who who cares? Like, he puts things to film. That's art. Like, that's okay. Really good. In that sense, I'm not saying he's not an artist. Yeah, I'm saying that his art isn't good. His technique is very good. Sure. Yeah. That, 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 I'm not saying he's not. One can use their technique for evil. Which and is what happened here. For, for sure. Yeah. That's why I think it's bad. Yeah. Not that it's poorly made. But it's, it's not poorly made. It's, it's a wild movie. It's a real look inside like his mind where you can see like all the facts and the cocaine like coagulating into like <laughs> right. this vision of like what could have happened. Well, especially yeah. since he had so much to say about this movie, like in the many months leading up to it and after it like yeah there was a lot extraneous to the text that he was talking about but yeah but take it in one of two directions right like deconstruct the conspiracy theory yep and reveal it for itself or go the other direction make it completely fantastical and like you know you make it crazy right which it, it already is that so you might as well like <laughs> take take the extra step like why not and he like took a weird middle road yeah why not do like abraham lincoln vampire hunter like you know <laughs> like, like you're you're on the doorstep of that with yeah. all the pixelization that you're doing so like 
Yeah. Make it in Glorious Bastards. Make it, yeah, Make it in Glorious Bastards, which is a great film. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or, uh, um, yeah, yeah, for Tarantino's next movie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that it's this movie is in many ways not a success. Or Men in Black. Men in Black is a great example of like how to fictionalize a story like this. Sure. Right? Where yeah. it's like, yeah, you take this like kernel of like this one thing that's true and then blow it out into like this really interesting fictional universe. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So yeah, but maybe he I'm sure he probably believes this, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's 100%. Like the earnestness is actually admirable. Like, yeah. I I wish I believed in something like this. Yeah, like <laughs> Oliver Stone is Jim Morrison or Jim Morrison, Jim Garrison. Like he is <laughs> He did do the Doors movie. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's why I was thinking of it. But like he, he has stepped into this guy's shoes. Right. Also, it, I, I found out apparently Jim Garrison himself is in the movie as oh, really? Earl Warren, which I found very ironic. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. I you. He I'll, had I'll that take your cameo word for it. role there. Yeah, I'll um, take your word for it. And I just thought that was kind of a, an ironic conclusion, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Crossman, you told us earlier that you have a uh, a hot take, a contemporary hot take. I do. So, okay, so I, I found a review that came out. Um, let me pull it up. Okay. Well, before you dig into that, this is our one of our closing segments where we look at contemporary reviews and responses to the movies that we discuss. That are perhaps a little bit offbeat, interesting, insightful uh, in ways that the collective consciousness might not remember the movie. Um, so, what what did you you find for us? Crossley? So, I I found a review from um, JFK, or sorry, from Ida, from Entertainment Weekly, okay. EW. Um, it's from 1992. So okay, so the year following this movie from, I mean, from this came out like December, so probably right after yeah. that release. Yeah, this comes out in January. Okay. Um, Okay, so it's an interesting interview. It kind of takes some weird turns. Um, <laughs> so, Or not interview, but review. All right, so as everyone knows by now, that's how it starts, comma, um, <laughs> Oliver Stone's incendiary docudrama, JFK, locates the American heart of darkness in a conspiracy to assassinate John F. Kennedy. A shadowy right-wing cabal, according to Stone, encompassed the CIA, the FBI, the <laughs> vice president, and a paranoid subculture of southern anti-communist fanatics. Uh, that's a much better summary than I could have come up with. This person's a professional writer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Stone's theories about how and why this conspiracy unfolded are fairly insidious. <laughs> for he has little compunction about in- inventing details. When he demonstrates the unlikelihood of the quote-unquote magic bullet theory, the Warren Commission's hard-to-swallow finding that a single bullet caused a total of seven wounds in Kennedy and Texas Governor John Connolly, he's on solid ground. But turns out no. Yeah. <laughs> but when he flashes an image of someone anonymous anonymous operative actually planting the bullet on a hospital stretcher, it's just an overheated act of conjecture. Yet Stone's instincts as a filmmaker transcend his glibness as a moral inquisitor. Ooh. Uh, the JFK assassination has a built-in pull. Just listening to the theories is like getting sucked into a whirlpool, and the tabloid revelations laid out by JFK are feverish, feverishly immediate. If Stone hasn't exactly solved the Kennedy assassination, he has captured with a dark cinematic flair that leaves you reeling why it still looms like a sickening nightmare. And like I, I think this is interesting and in kind of what we're getting at in the like uh-huh. stylization of what's happening. This is a very enticing movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's it you know it comes at you at like a million miles an hour and like there's there's so much like rambling and crazy crazy like conjecturing that. Yeah. 
makes it very attractive as like a film. And it's it presents things that we kind of want to be true, right? Like, because we don't want to live in a world where random nut job can kill the president that we like because he, you know, feels like it on a given day. We want to live in a world where it would take a massive conspiracy and that that conspiracy is knowable to us. Yeah. Mm. And that's not the world we live in. We live in the world with the random nut job. So this writer goes to a good place, which I think we kind of already got to. Um, The killing of JFK haunts us for two vastly different reasons. When that final bullet blasted open Kennedy's brain, in some dread-ridden way, it almost seemed as if America itself had killed the president. Regardless of who or how many who's pulled the trigger, the simple fact that a leader so beloved could be struck down with such incongruous horror told us that we weren't the nation we thought we were. Yes. (laughs) Well put. Um, but the assassination also haunts us perceptually. Our fascination with the tragedy might have faded long ago were it not for the 8mm home movie shot that day in Dealey Plaza by dress manufacturer Abraham Zapruder. Without that footage, we wouldn't expect to know who <coughs> killed Kennedy. It would all seem distant, hopeless, part of the pre-media culture past. Which is an interesting point, because yes, like the, uh, you know, the Lincoln assassination was just John Wilkes Booth and so you know, they're in a barn later on. Yeah, and a, <laughs> yeah. a few people like helped, uh, but we know who those people are, and we trust the theories behind that. Yep. Yeah, they were all tried and convicted, and the vampires behind it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm just gonna skip ahead here. Um, um, that day mocks our desire for certainty. It tells us that in an era when everything is recorded, the more we the more we see, the less we know. This far more than any cooked up all-encompassing conspiracy theory is the true subject of JFK. The movie is about the way we see assassination and the way it lives inside our minds. Stone keeps returning for that day in Dallas. He creates a spectacular, spectacular layered effect, interpolating bits of Zapruder film with a half dozen styles of grainy stage footage, each with its own distinctive reality. Parts of JFK play like a documentary we've miraculously entered, which is the insidious part of this film. Yep. Stone weaves with such a heavy, heady tapestry of detail fleeting interviews with bystanders, pinpoint analysis of how many bullets could have been fired and from where, shots of the street of the grassy knoll of people waiting for Kennedy to arrive, um, that we feel as if we're right there on that day. Stone turns that assassination into a purely existential event that makes its horror all the greater. The atmosphere of impotence and invisible doom, the sense of a nation about to crack open, is overwhelming. Yeah, that that is the terrifying thing about it. Yeah, yeah, but that that terror arises from the randomness, not from the construction. And and how horribly things went afterwards. Yeah, that Nixon then gets elected and Reagan and a series of very <coughs> yes, uh, awful like, presidents. Yeah. yeah, many of our worst. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm getting to the interesting parts here. The real Garrison was a cocky troublemaker who many say had a way of coming up with theories and bending the facts to fit them. Sounds like a DA. Yeah, Stone turns him into a white knight, with Costner doing a southern gentleman variation on Elliot Ness. Uh, This Garrison, though, isn't really meant... Who was also a bad person, but anyways. Um, This Garrison, (laughs) though, isn't really meant to be a three-dimensional figure. In JFK, he's our guide through the jungle, through the cascade of witnesses, flashbacks, and voluminous... Voluminous. Voluminous information that stone compresses into a dizzying stream of consciousness cocaine (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna skip to the end um here uh okay beneath its labyrinthian 
paranoia, JFK says, here was the true tragedy of November 22nd, 1963, the day America stopped believing its own eyes. You want to give a guess at his letter grade after all that? Go ahead. Any guesses? On just a letter grade, A to F. A C. Uh, I'll go with a C plus, or a B plus. A minus. A minus. I was close. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, after all that, this guy like really <laughs> likes this film, and I think it shows like its uh, uh, deceptiveness is um, seductive. Yeah, seductive. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Even, even as someone who's not buying into the conspiracy theory, right? Yeah, because I, I and like there's a value in that, or a value in that type of perspective, right? That like here's a movie that we think is full of lies, that we think the, the main performance is basically you know functional at best. Where the thesis that we're drawing from the movie is not at all the thesis that the director came to it with, and like that we can still take something from it, I think is useful, and I think like that's a good lesson. Yeah, yeah, like it, it just in terms of like how we approach art, how yeah. we approach yeah. it, and film especially. We don't have to interpret it like the artist intended. No, of course not. And like one can, should never. It, yeah. It, yeah. Well, maybe. Um, and in addition to that, like. You can take things away from movies that you have big problems with, and those things can still be valuable, right? And I think that that is a good thing. Like, like that's something we want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that so reminds me a lot of. Uh, I, I passed by like a sentence summary of like an Ebert review of mm-hmm. this movie, and he says basically the same thing. Where, um, you know, if, if nothing else is accurate about this movie, it perfectly captures like the sense of paranoia that we feel related to this incident. Yeah, well, and that's certainly very effective. That's, it's it's the yeah. it's the tragedy of the film, though, is like this could be <coughs> good and truthful mm-hmm. and be just as like competently made and yeah. attractive as a film. Well, and the truthful version of this yeah. movie about like the DA that goes off the rails and like far more interesting a witness to drug him and hypnotize him and get weird non confessions out of him. Yeah, <laughs> let's watch that movie. Yeah, like, let's see what's going on there. Uh, far, far more interesting film. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not what we got. But yeah, like, how about that? Let's make that one. Um, one okay. thing I forgot about, Please. which would love to. Uh, um, so John Williams did the soundtrack for this movie. Right, I saw it in the credits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is incredible, <laughs> did, right? Um, so many of the songs sound like uh, songs from the Jurassic Park soundtrack, oh, which he also did. Around the same time. To the well, a few years later. Right, yeah. Um, to the point where it sounds like he's plagiarizing himself in Jurassic Park. because uh, <laughs> a lot of the like sort of like weird paranoia music uh-huh. parts of this are used in Jurassic Park mm-hmm. later when, you know, they're like running from dinosaurs and and are and it works really well in Jurassic Park. It's such an iconic iconic soundtrack. But it's interesting to hear very, very similar songs being used. The the main theme of Jurassic Park is obviously a unique creation, but all the other music in that film is kind of ripped out of this film and applied in I Jurassic Park. Totally missed that, but yeah. I believe you. I, I've I seen Jurassic. Much. I've all seen Jurassic Park like... a lot, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I kept hearing like little like musical references uh, huh. and connections between the two films. Okay. I've only seen it you know, a normal number of times, so yeah. I would have missed that. Um, so it was interesting to like hear the like 
I was like, well, it's so weird. It sounds like the Jurassic Park soundtrack. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's John Williams. John Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense for a composer to draw upon similar ideas. And yeah, and that. he's not like he doesn't have like a huge range as a composer, but he's good. He's good at the thing that yeah. he does. The reason he keeps uh, getting work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was funny to like hear the like little huh. like few notes that lead into like somewhere else in a Jurassic Park song are different here. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I noted that and found it interesting. Yeah, oh, cool. <laughs> um, uh, my my pick for next week. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So I want to do the Night of the Hunter. Uh, this is. Oh damn. Yeah, I know this is a movie you like. You've mentioned it before. Hell yeah. It looks good. Um, I want to do an older movie. It feels like we've been doing a lot of recent stuff. Yeah. So Night of the Hunter is the one. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're liking the show, please share it with people. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on probably on Stitcher. I think they pull from those too. We're on Facebook. Um, comment, like, share makes a big difference. And join us next week for The Night of the Hunter. <laughs>